Chapter 12 of Will Warburton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sabrina Jazz Ainsworth. Will Warburton by George Kissing. Chapter 12. There passed a fortnight. Bertha heard nothing more of Miss Elvin till a letter arrived one morning in an envelope showing on the back an address at Teddington. Rosamond wrote that she had just returned from Switzerland, and was staying for a few days with friends. Would it be possible for Bertha to come to Teddington the same afternoon, for an hour or two's talk? The writer had so much to say that could not be conveyed in a letter, and longed above all things to see Bertha, the only being in whom, at a very grave juncture in her life, she could absolutely confide. "'We shall be quite alone. Mr. and Mrs. Capron are going to town immediately after lunch.' This is a lovely place, and we shall have it to ourselves all the afternoon, so don't be frightened. I know you hate strangers, but come, come, come. Bertha took the train early in the afternoon. By an avenue of elms she passed into a large and beautiful garden, and so came to the imposing front door. Led into the drawing-room, she had time to take breath, and to gaze at splendid such as she had never seen before. Then, with soundless footfall, entered a slim, prettily dressed girl, who ran towards her and caught her hands and kissed her with graceful tenderness. "'My dear, dear old Bertha, what a happiness to see you again! How good of you to come! Isn't it a lovely place? And the nicest people! You've heard me speak of Miss Anderton of Bath. Well, she is Mrs. Capron, married half a year ago, and they're just going to Egypt for a year, and—what do you think? I'm going with them!' Rosamond's voice sunk and faltered. She stood holding Bertha's hands and gazing into her face with eyes which grew large as if in distressful appeal. "'To Egypt?' "'Yes. It was decided whilst I was in Switzerland. Mrs. Capron wants a friend to be with her, one who can help her in watercolours. She thought, of course, that I couldn't go, wrote to me just wishing it were possible, and I courted the chance. Oh, courted it!' "'That's what I don't understand,' said Bertha. "'I want to explain it all. Come into this cosy corner. Nobody will disturb us, except when they bring tea. Do you know that picture of Leda's? Isn't it exquisite? Are you tired, Bertha? You look so a little. I am afraid you walked from the station in such a hot day. But, oh, the loveliness of the trees about here. Do you remember our first walk together? You were shy, stiff, didn't feel quite sure whether you liked me or not, and I thought you—' just a little critical. But when we got back again, I think we had begun to understand each other, and I wonder whether you'll understand me now. It would be dreadful if I felt you disapproved of me. Of course, if you do, I'd much rather you said so. You will, won't you? She again fixed her eyes upon Bertha with a wide, appealing look. Whether I say or not, replied the other, you'll see what I think. I never could help that. Well, that's what I love in you, and that's what I've been thinking of all these weeks of misery, your perfect sincerity. I've asked myself whether it be possible for you to find yourself in such a position as mine, and how you would act, how you would speak. You're my ideal of truth and rightness, Bertha. I've often told you that. Bertha moved uncomfortably, her eyes averted. Suppose you just tell me what has happened, she added quietly. Yes, I will. I hope you haven't been thinking it was some fault of his. I couldn't help thinking that. "'Oh, put that out of your mind at once. "'The fault is altogether mine. "'He has done nothing whatever. "'He is good and true and all that a man should be. "'It's I who am behaving badly, "'so badly that I feel hot with shame "'now that I come to tell you. "'I have broken it off. "'I've said I couldn't marry him.' "'Their eyes met for an instant. "'Bertha looked rather grave, "'but with her wonted kindliness of expression. "'Rosamond's brows were wrinkled in distress "'and her lips trembled. 
i've seen it coming since last christmas she continued in a hurried tremulous undertone you know he came down to bath that was our last meeting and i felt that something was wrong ah oh, so hard to know oneself i wanted to talk to you about it but then i said to myself what can bertha do but tell me to know my own mind and that's just what i couldn't come to to understand my own feelings i was changing i knew that i dreaded to look into my own thoughts from day to day above all i dreaded to sit down and write to him oh the hateful falsity of those letters yet what could i do what could i do i had no right to give such a blow unless i felt that anything else was utterly utterly impossible and at last you did feel it in switzerland yes it came like a flash of lightning i was walking up that splendid valley you remember my description up toward the glacier that morning i had had a letter naming the very day of our marriage and speaking of the house your house at putney he meant to take i had said to myself it must be i can do nothing i haven't the courage then as i was walking a sort of horror fell upon me and made me tremble and when it passed i saw that so far from not having the courage to break i should never dare to go through with it and i went back to the hotel and sat down and wrote without another moment's thought or hesitation what else could you have done said bertha with a sigh of relief when it comes to horror and tremblings there was a light in her eye which seemed the precursor of a smile but her voice was not unsympathetic and rosamond knew that one of bertha cross's smiles was worth more in the way of friendship than another's tragic emotion have patience with me she continued whilst i try to explain it the worst of my position is that so many people will know what i have done and so few of them hardly any one will understand why one can't talk to people about such things even winnie and father i'm sure they don't really understand though i'm afraid they're both rather glad what a wretched thing it is to be misjudged i feel sure bertha that it's just this kind of thing that makes a woman sit down and write a novel where she can speak freely in disguise and do herself justice don't you think i shouldn't wonder replied the listener thoughtfully but does it really matter if you know you're only doing what you must do but that's only how it seems to me another in my place would very likely see the must on the other side of course it's a terribly complicated thing a situation like this i haven't the slightest idea how one ought to be guided one could argue and reason all day long about it as i have done with myself for weeks past try just to tell me the reason which seems to you the strongest said bertha well that's very simple i thought i loved him and i find i don't exactly but i hardly see how the change came about i will try to tell you replied rosamond it was that picture sanctuary that began it when i first saw it it gave me a shock you know how i have always thought of him an artist living for his own idea of art painting just as he liked what pleased him without caring for public taste i got enthusiastic and when i saw that he seemed to care for my opinion and my praise of course all the rest followed he told me about his life as an art student paris rome all that and it was my ideal of romance he was very poor sometimes so poor that he hardly had enough to eat and this made me proud of him for i felt sure he could have got money if he would have condescended to do inferior work of course as i too was poor we could not think of marrying before his position improved at last he painted sanctuary he told me nothing about it i came and saw it on the easel nearly finished and this is the most shocking thing i pretended to admire it i was astonished pained yet i had the wealthiness to smile and praise there's the fault of my character at that moment truth and courage were wanted and i had neither the dreadful thing is to think that he degraded himself on my account if i had said at once what i thought he would have confessed would have told me that impatience had made him untrue to himself 
and from that day oh this is the worst of all bertha he has adapted himself to what he thinks my lower mind and lower aims he has consciously debased himself out of thought for me horrible of course he believes in his heart that i was a hypocrite before the astonishing thing is that this didn't cause him to turn cold to me he must have felt that but somehow he overcame it all the worse the very fact he still cared for me shows how bad my influence has been i feel that i have wrecked his life bertha and yet i cannot give him my own to make some poor sort of amends bertha was listening with a face that changed from puzzled interest to wandering confusion good gracious she exclaimed when the speaker ceased is it possible to get into such entanglements of reasoning about what one thinks and feels it's beyond me oh they're bringing the tea perhaps a cup of tea will clear my wits rosamond at once began to speak of the landscape by leader which hung near them and continued to do so even after the servant had withdrawn her companion was silent smiling now and then in an absent way they sipped tea the tea is doing me so much good bertha said i begin to feel equal to the most complicated reflections and so you really think that mr franks is on the way to perdition and that you are the cause of it rosamond did not reply she half averted her look her brows were knit in an expression of trouble she bit her lower lip a moment passed and suppose we go into the garden said she rising don't you feel it a little close here they strolled about the paths her companion seeming to have dismissed from mind their subject of conversation began to talk of egypt and the delight she promised herself there presently bertha reverted to the unfinished story oh it doesn't interest you doesn't it indeed please go on you had just explained all about sanctuary which isn't really a bad picture at all oh bertha cried the other in pained protest that's your good nature you never can speak severely of anybody's work the picture is shameful shameful and its successor i am too sure will be worse still from what i have heard of it oh i can't bear to think what it means now that it's too late i see what i ought to have done in spite of everything and everybody i ought to have married him in the first year when i had courage and hope enough to face any hardships we spoke of it but he was too generous what a splendid thing to have starved with him to have worked for him whilst he was working for art and fame to have gone through all that together and have come out triumphant that was a life worth living but to begin marriage at one's ease on the profits of pictures such as sanctuary oh the shame of it do you think i could face the friends who would come to see me how many friends asked bertha would be aware of your infamy i credit myself with a little imagination but i should never have suspected the black baseness which had poisoned your soul again rosamond bit her lip and kept a short distance it only shows she said with some abruptness that i shall do better not to speak of it at all and let people think what they like of me if even you can't understand bertha stood still and spoke in a changed voice i understand very well or think i do i'm perfectly sure that you could never have broken your engagement unless for the gravest reason and for me it is quite enough to know that many a girl ought to do this who never has the courage try not to worry about explanations the thing is done and there's an end of it i'm very glad indeed you're going quite away it's the best thing possible when do you start she added in three days listen bertha i have something very serious to ask of you it is possible isn't it that he may come to see you some day if he does or if by chance you see him alone and he speaks of me i want you to make him think you easily can that what has happened is all for his good 
remind him how often artists have been spoiled by marriage and hint you surely could that i am rather too fond of luxury and that kind of thing bertha wore an odd smile trust me she replied i will blacken you most effectually you promise oh but at the same time you will urge him to be true to himself to endure poverty i don't know about that why shouldn't poor mr franks have enough to eat if he can get it well but you promise to keep him in the other way you needn't say very bad things just a smile a hint i quite understand said bertha nodding end of chapter twelve recorded by sabrina jazz ainsworth